Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we learn about a Bible topic, character, or concept. And today we're learning about humility and pride as we study the sermon, The Tragedy of Saul, The Story of Us All. in for a treat because today I have two very esteemed guests uh, with me today. You can already hear them chuckle. <laughs> um, I'm going to look over to my right. Mr. Ross, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, who you are. Give us a day in the life. Oh, a day in the life. Or whatever you want. <laughs> All right. My name is Ross Craig. I am originally from uh, South Queensland. Um, I was a high school teacher for quite a few years, um, and then I had a bit of a journey, and now I am studying theology, and God willing, only for another four weeks. <laughs> You're out of here. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. And uh, Marius, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Marius. Uh, I was born in Romania. I came here when I was eight, and um, came back to the Lord. Four years ago, and yeah, I'm also God willing going to finish in in four weeks. Okay, so now I'm interested. What what is this? Th- is what is the possible thing that could prevent that that four weeks from extending over to <laughs> some more time? Oh, <laughs> any one of four assignments and an exam. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, um, well, I just wanted to ask a, a little bit more uh, while I've got you guys here because obviously. Uh, I'm studying theology as well, and so I'm interested to hear from you. What is perhaps one of the most influential things that uh, you've learnt during your degree? Because you guys have pretty much reached the end of it. What's something that really impacted you along the way studying? The importance on our reliance on the Holy Spirit. Mm. We need to be aware that uh, we learnt this Marius and I and a few other students were very blessed recently to have been able to go to Fiji to take part in an evangelistic campaign over there. And one thing that came through very clearly is it's not about us, it's not about the messenger, yeah. it's about the message. Mm. And so, yeah, I've learned that very clearly. It doesn't matter how good a public speaker you are, how much theoretical or theological knowledge you may have, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, a personal relationship with the Lord, then you are really wasting your time, his time, and the people you're talking to is time. Mm. How about you, Marius? Um, I, I've also, in, in the same theme um, as you, Ross, I think that um, personal devotions was something that mm. was uh, super important to me, making sure that I put aside time every day um, to, to spend with God um, because for it's, it's from there that everything else flows. And if I found that if that's lacking... Like like Ross said, the rest, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then it, it doesn't go too well. Mm. You could almost pick the days, can't you, when you have woken up and thought, don't really have time for this this morning, mm. 
Mm. And then those are the days where you are a bit of a grump and yeah. not doing yeah. so well. I've heard that before on this recording. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wonder where. Well, speaking of that, what is interesting is that basically both of your answers are very much tie into what we're talking about today, and that is this reliance on the Holy Spirit. Mm. And basically starting every day with personal devotions, as you said, Marius, being dependent on God's Spirit, not being too proud to do it. And so with that said, we'll get right into our recap where you may have heard that before. But just before we do, if you haven't watched the sermon, The Tragedy of Saul, The Story of a Saul, and you want to get the full uh, version of it, make sure to go to the link below, come back here later, because this podcast is full of spoilers and there's lots of good stuff to listen in there. So with that out of the way, we'll get into our quick recap. So the sermon begins by looking at how King Saul, when he is first coronated as the first king of Israel, he starts off really well. He has the Holy Spirit with him and he's prophesying with the prophets. He does a great job as being a king. But gradually, as he becomes more and more proud, he rejects God's Holy Spirit to the point where he no longer has God's spirit, but an evil spirit with him. We see that Saul's spirituality diminishes over a long period of time. But then we have to consider how this happened. How is it that someone who started off so well ended up with such a poor spirituality? And the only way we can find out what that was is that Saul's pride prevented him from having God's help. And it ended eventually in his tragic death. Then the question is posed to us, do we sometimes reject God's spirit and in so doing over a period of time meet our spiritual death, a time where we are no longer connected with God? And so the challenge is posed to us, if we want to succeed in our spiritual lives and our spiritual journeys, it means depending on God's Holy Spirit. Okay, so I want to get into your personal takeaways uh, from this sermon. Ross, what was something that stuck out to you uh, about this topic? Well, you, you pretty much covered it in your recap there. Uh, when you actually said just then about uh, Saul, Saul's pride stopping the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um a lot of people would think that uh, the Holy Spirit is, and he is, he is all powerful. He is God. Um, but the important thing that you mentioned there about Saul's pride stopping him just reinforces how much God loves us mm. in that he will not go against our choice. Yeah. We choose a path, even though he, he, he knows it's going to end badly, like you said, Saul's path didn't end well yeah um yeah he will allow us the freedom of choice mm. and that's came through really really powerfully nice what about you Mario? what was something that really resonated with you something that, that stood out for me um was the fact that um the soul started out really well mm. um things things were going good god chose him um, and it, it made me think uh, and reflect on, on what uh, Ross said uh, in his introduction about 
the reliance on the Holy Spirit because we, we may start with everything um, going great, but if we lose focus and we stop looking to God, then the alternative is that we start looking to ourselves and we can see the detriment, detrimental effect that that had in Saul's life. Mm. I think one of the scariest verses for me in the Bible is in James 1 where uh, he says that uh, like sinful desire leads to sin and sin when it is you know fully born leads to death. And what's interesting is he describes the desire as coming from yourself. Uh, the verses leading up to it, he talks about, you know, how Satan tempts and we shouldn't complain that we're being tempted by God. But he says, no, 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 God doesn't tempt you. No. The temptations, like the desire is already inherently in you, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, and to me, that always kind of resonated as like uh, Satan's basically got someone on the inside. He's got an inside spy really working for him, and it's our own sinful nature. And so Satan has a really easy job. A lot of the time, he doesn't even have to really tempt people. We just willingly follow our own desires. It's just the natural course that we're on. Uh, and even then, yeah, he, temptation, you know, it's as simple as putting something in front of us, and then those desires kicking in again, which lead to death. Um, which is why, yeah, the, I like how you emphasize the Holy Spirit almost course correcting us so that 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 sinful desire doesn't overcome us um, and lead us down the wrong path. Now I've heard it said on numerous occasions and I agree with it 100% we give Satan far too much credit. Yeah yeah we do. Because number one he's not omnipresent mm. Mm. so he can't be everywhere at all times. People say oh the devil made me do it. So, mm. <laughs> Don't think that's what the devil was. Yeah. I mean yes he's got minions and minions and minions um, but yeah, I think, uh, as you said, mm. we are sometimes our own worst enemy. We are, yeah. To recite a, a paraphrase, a, a colloquialism, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into uh, the cutting room floor, which is where we discuss all the bits and pieces that didn't quite make it into the sermon, but we're going to break them down together now. <laughs> and I'd like to look, first of all, at the this theme of humility, because that's integral in our understanding of accepting the Holy Spirit. And so let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And it's it's interesting that uh, our story begins with not really one of the main characters of the rest of the book. It starts off with Hannah, uh, who gives birth to Samuel. But after the first like two or three chapters, Hannah doesn't really become much of a prominent figure again, which is interesting. Uh, and so what she's done is she she's actually incapable of having children. And so she prays to God to give her a child. Uh, and she's told that her prayer will be answered. And this is how she replies to God in a prayer. Um, Marius, would you like to read for us verses 8 through to 10? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap. He, to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. 
He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Hmm. So I like how Hannah's prayer almost sets the, the tone or one of the main themes for the rest of the book. And that this is the theme that God brings down the proud and he raises up the humble. It says, you know, he raises up the poor, he raises up the beggar. He puts them up at the very throne of God. Um, the wicked, they'll be brought down into darkness. God's not going to let them prevail. A judgment will come on the proud and the wicked. And so this theme is basically set, which kind of tells us, even as we begin to read the book of 1 Samuel, watch out for characters who are who get a bit too proud for themselves, you know, a little bit too big for their britches. Because we've been told from the very start, God brings down the proud. And even Saul, he starts off from humble beginnings. He's just a no one from, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, wasn't he? I think so. I think so. Yeah, which is the least of the tribes. Yeah. And then David... Uh, he's just a shepherd, youngest in his family, nothing notable about him. He's elevated to the title of king. Uh, and so you see it all throughout the book of First and Second Samuel, these, the humble people who are always exalted and the proud are always brought down. And to me, it uh, reminds me even of the kind of uh, thematic relationship with Lucifer and Jesus. We see in Philippians 2, Jesus, it talks about how Jesus humbles himself as a servant. He comes down in the likeness of men. And because of that, he's exalted. Hmm. God lifts up those who humble themselves. Whereas when you read uh, you know, in Isaiah 14 about Lucifer saying, I'll go up to the throne of God. I'll you know, be the best there is. When it's all about himself and he's proud, the very next verse is, and you'll be thrown down, Lucifer, you know, son of the morning. Every time somebody elevates themselves up too high, God just goes, all right, you can go down a bit, you know. God puts them back in their place. It almost seems like um, like this, this pride goes against the Holy Spirit and against the influence that the Holy Spirit has in your life. Because mm. it seems that the, the Holy Spirit try, tries to speak to you and tries to lead you according yeah. to, to God's desires, according to God's will for your life. But when you don't have a, a humble attitude and when you don't accept what, what God is telling you, then pride swells up in your heart and you start saying, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit is saying to do this, but I want to do this because yeah. this is better. And it, yeah, it almost feels like the, the reason that, that this humility is, is needed is so that we may accept what God's wills for us in, in our lives. Mm. And I, I like, sorry, Ross, yeah. Oh, this goes, I think it's interesting. Wasn't Saul head and shoulders above everybody else? Yeah. And <laughs> beauty to behold. And, and you were talking about somebody else that was beautiful and fell in love with their own appearance and ended up being thrown out of heaven. That's true. I just thought that was interesting that he was also known as a, a good look, mm. I suppose. That's also interesting because I think of another person in Second uh, Samuel, David's own son, Absalom. Like the only thing we're told about him is he has luscious locks, yes. really long hair, yeah. and everyone loved him because he was super charismatic. We're, we're only told about his appearance and how vain he is and what happens to him. He gets, it doesn't end well. doesn't end well for Absalom either. 
He even gets so, yeah, what does he basically say? I want your throne, Dad. Yeah. You know, he says to his father, I'm going to take it. I'm going to ascend to the throne. The very same thing. Interesting parallels. Yeah. Uh, back to what you were saying, Marius, about following God's will for your life. I want to pose this question. Why is it that we worship God? And this is at Ross too. Don't you smile over there, Ross. This is... This is uh... <laughs> I was just thinking... Take it away, Murray. <laughs> there would be as many different answers for that question, I think, as there are people following the Lord. Mm. I mean, some of us may have similarities, um, but I suppose it all has to come down to recognition of of where, who we are in relation mm. to him and who he is actually in relation to us and, and that we don't deserve mm. the future that we are guaranteed. Mm. But um, yeah, some of us have seen the other side, um, which is, I suppose, a little bit more weight to why, well, I know for me personally, uh, weight to why I, I am just, can you say you're really stoked that God loves you? Because that's yeah. sort of how I feel. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. But yeah, for a long time I didn't think he, not that he didn't, just that I didn't deserve it. Hmm. I think that's a really interesting point you bring up because Hannah in her own prayer says here in verse 2, No one is holy like you, Lord. There's none beside you. There's no rock like our God. Amen. Um, she's basically saying, you know, like the reason that we worship you is there's nothing else like you. Mm-hmm. You're, what else is there to even compare to you? You're the greatest thing there is. So, you, of course, you're worthy of it. And just as Ross said, you know, he's given us salvation. And I would put under that as well, he's given us life um, mm-hmm. and the ability to choose him or not. Even that is a big privilege that we have, the ability to choose or not. As uh, Ross said at the beginning, you know, the Holy Spirit, he'll listen to um, what it is that you want. Uh, if you want him, he'll come. If not, he respects that choice. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, just talking about him giving us life, etc. just remind me of a lady that I was doing some studies with up in Newcastle. Mm. Um, English is her second language. She's from PNG. And she, she is just so excited whenever she talks about the fact that she, oh, you really need to see her facial expressions, but she talks about her mother being pregnant with her and how, She's just astounded at how powerful and mighty God is that he looked after her while she was in her mother's stomach and Mm. gave her the air she needed and the food she needed. And this is an amazing God we've got because he's given us life. And it's just really exciting. Yeah. It is. is. Yeah. You really need to see this woman's face. She just gets so carried away. It's (laughs) awesome. It's really awesome. That's awesome. I think that um, that this part of worship is um, like... um, I think like both of you mentioned, it's accepting our place, accepting who God is mm. and uh, and thanking him for, for what he's done. That is, is an aspect of it. But another aspect of it is, is humility. Yeah. It's our saying, hey, you are God and and you are in charge mm. and I am, I am your, your humble servant and I, I thank you for the ability to be your humble servant. Mm. And that's exactly where... Yeah, that humility part comes in and that it means submitting part of your will. Yeah. 
And I've done Bible studies with people before, and I've had people ask me, well, why is it I should, you know, let God make all the decisions? And I kind of smile and just think, why not? You know? <laughs> That's a really good, yeah. Uh, I mean, from <laughs> if, I, if it was purely from, let's just say, a purely pragmatic view, you could say, you know, all right, let's say God's the one who's created this video game. And I'm, one, I'm living in it, I'm playing it. If he's got all the cheat codes to help me win it, why would I not just ask him to help me, you know, navigate this? If I was just, if that was purely just like, it's the best way to complete this, you know? Yeah. If that was purely pragmatic, it just makes sense to ask the guy who made everything, hey, where do I go in this world that you've created for me? Yeah, no, I gave you, yes, exactly. You would not take, and this is stealing from somebody else's servant, you wouldn't take your car to a fridge mechanic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks like you wouldn't take your fridge mechanic to an auto mechanic to be told the best way to look after it. No, mm. you go to someone who built that thing from scratch and knows exactly how it works and then you follow their instructions. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Way to avoid your warranty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so next I kind of want to look at pride because we have a lot of stories of pride in the books of first and second Samuel as well. And the first one that comes to mind for me is the sons of Eli, uh, Hophni and Phineas, and they just disrespect God. They're not reverent before him at all in their worship. They abuse the system that they're in, um, and doesn't end well for them at all. Abuse the system that they're in. That's really undercut underselling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're a we're a family friendly show here, yeah. Ross. <laughs> and um, you have uh, the story of Nabal, which correct me if I'm wrong. His name literally just means fool, doesn't it? That's the. Oh, they are. I feel like that's it. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the meaning of that name. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I think his name means fool. It would make sense. Yeah, and uh, for those who don't know, Nabal, uh, David's on the run from Saul. He goes and asks this guy, Nabal, for basically some food and resources. And he basically says, what's David ever done for me? And David just says, uh, I've been like protecting all your assets for the past week or whatever. That's why I did it. I, I thought I was getting food for this, you know, while I'm on the run. And while Nabal is having this big feast, it just says, God strikes his heart or something like that which is another prominent theme the heart throughout first and second samuel saul has a good heart then uh samuel says to david god's rejected you he's going to find someone a man after his own heart when samuel goes to look for david god says you look on the outside but god looks at the heart and here we're told that nabal he is a fool with a fool's heart and god grabs his foolish and proud heart and just goes you're done <laughs> See you, Nabal, you're out of here. And so what I'd like to ask then is, why do you think it is that God judges uh, the proud so harshly? Because they're, they're all quite extreme examples that we have in these stories. Why is it do you think that God judges it so harshly? Well, if you look at why we're here and why mm. the world is in the predicament that it's in at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, it all originated... It all originated with pride, you know. Mm. I will ascend above the heavens. I will make my throne amongst the most high, uh, is what, what Satan said. And this all began with pride. 
And while we we may not see the immediate detrimental effects of pride, and we may even uh, look up to people who are proud, mm. and that's I mean that's especially what what Hollywood is teaching us today, mm. and, and what the the world in general is is saying. Just uh, like we were talking before, the most common photograph in the world is a photograph of the person taking the photograph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not me standing in front of anything, just me. Very mm. true. And God realizes, God realizes the detrimental effects of pride because mm. he, he sees where this will lead. We sometimes don't see that, but I think one of the reasons that God is so um, adamant to to deal with this problem of pride is because he knows where it leads and we can see where it's led ourselves. Mm. One of the things I always try and remember when I pray in the morning is actually, God, give me love and give me humility. Because mm. to me, those are like the two core things. If I can get those things straight, most other you know issues almost solve themselves. Yeah. If I'm humble enough to recognize I'm not the center of the universe, I'll be more loving towards people. Because I find that pride often only fuels love of self. Yes. Um, and it's really hard to have seven billion centers for the universe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I read a, a good book I would highly recommend. Um, I Used to Be Perfect by George R. Knight. And the, his very first chapter is called Sinner's Love. And you're like, huh? And he even says in his opening lines, he goes, yeah, sin's love. Did I catch your attention? I'm like, yeah, you did. What is it? And he goes, sin is just love of yourself. It's love pointed in the wrong direction. Real genuine love should be pointed towards God. And in pointing towards God, it basically goes to everyone else. You, the love that you have for God, yeah, fuels your love for other people. Hmm. Um, but he goes, yeah, if you, if, the love you're showing just goes straight to yourself. It never leaves yourself because it's just in you. And if anything, it comes back to what we we're talking about in James 1. It comes back to you and your desires and what you want. So self-love basically fuels the desires which lead to death. Um, so it's really, uh, yeah, that's one of the things I always try to remember. Just give me love and humility. Most things sort themselves out from those. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Just about, well, I can't think of a, a scene that does not have an element of pride in it. Yeah. They all do because you all, just to sin means that you have decided that you know better. Yeah. And I think what's almost ironic is coming back to the question of why is it so, you know, harsh these judgments. These are times where God has directly stepped in to judge pride. But. I'd say a large majority of the time, God doesn't really have to do much. Most of the time, our own pride leads us to our own self-destruction a lot of the time. Mm. It's, it's self-destructive as, again, it leads to death. We, we become our own worst enemy. So a lot of the time, God doesn't have to do a whole lot. He just allows the natural consequences of our choices play out. And eventually we find that our own pride has dug us six feet under and we've chucked ourselves in. So, yeah, a lot of the time we just lead ourselves there. Um, and then... One other thing I thought was interesting was 
the Ark of the Covenant in the books of First and Second Samuel. Um, in chapter four, it's taken by the Philistines. Pardon me. It's it's taken by the Philistines, and it the, the story ends with this super random, uh, tiny little excerpt of a story, and it just says. And this one woman, she was so upset that the Ark of the Covenant had been taken that she called her child Ichabod, which means the glory of God has departed. And I read that, I was like, this feels so irrelevant. <laughs> what is this random woman marry, uh, naming her baby Ichabod have any relevance to the story? But then in chapter 14, later on, Ichabod is actually one of the characters that interacts with Saul. And you go, oh, okay, that's why we talked about him earlier. We got like his origin story before. Now we get why he's back here again. And it's in the story where Saul is inquiring of God and then says, okay, I've had enough. And it's, if you remember that Ichabod's name uh, means the glory of God. It's almost like Saul is going, he's pushing away the glory of God. And then if you remember back in the sermon, uh, we referred to the story where Saul kills all of the priests, yes. which most likely would have included Ichabod. And so it's almost like the ultimate rejection of the glory of God. Mm. The glory of God has completely departed him. As Ichabod, the glory of God, has departed from um, Saul because Saul has completely rejected it. Uh, and so, yeah, the, this, this character Ichabod almost kind of represents... Uh, the theme of God's glory throughout the book, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. It's fascinating that he did that and he completely lost his connection with God. And yet what did he do? He went to try and talk to who? A witch later on. Yeah. To talk to somebody who had a connection with God. Yeah. So that's really... Interesting how demented the mind gets. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, oh, I'm going to speak to someone who has influence from God, but I'm going to approach the opposite side, the satanic <laughs> forces, yeah. for them to speak to this person who can speak to God for me. Mm. Yeah, because God won't speak to me directly. Yeah. But yeah. So I'll go through it like a back door. And it's <laughs> the back door. It's insanity that. It I mean, we, we laugh at it now, right? But when mm. we think about it, he, this must have made some kind of sense in his mind or else he wouldn't have done it. Mm. So it's just how way off the path we can go when, when we stop having humility, we stop listening to the Holy Spirit and we go off the path. Mm. And I mentioned um, Stalin in the sermon mm. in that he was, once again... He starts off, I, I, I won't say as a good leader, but as a promising leader. Like, he's not the biggest jerk ever. And then as soon as he gets a little taste of power, he's manipulative. He's, you know, killing his own citizens. And the biggest thing is that he becomes paranoid. And if you look at a lot of the world leaders throughout history, one of their biggest downfalls was always their paranoia. Throughout they, history. Throughout history. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, that they, they were just wipe out any people that got too close to them because mm -hmm. it was perceived as a threat even um see they didn't have instagram <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't just try and assess the character actually to go and assess so, <laughs> <laughs> so i think to me that's um 
it's a it's a lack of self awareness mm. and it's a pride because even now the way you think the world is so centered around you that everyone is out to get you you've become so insular that you are almost incapable of understanding how other people even think which for the christian who is supposed to be witnessing to other people that's a big that's a big uh, stumbling step it there. is absolutely is i don't know how many times i hear people say oh, i'd love to go door knocking or i'd love to go street preaching but what will people think yeah <laughs> that's the reason you're going is yeah people yeah. will think that's not it. about you <laughs> mm. and uh finally i just wanted to ask uh you guys before we wrapped up what do you think is some of the some of the things specifically that we can become proud of or types of pride that can stop us or hinder our relationship from with god uh, like for example um i think one is we are so proud that we don't want to admit that we've sinned we we try and rationalize our sin or justify it you're talking to two kings of justification <laughs> we have justified away so much in our yeah. lives <laughs> just take a number and get in line yeah yeah sure, sure. i just think you can't really you can't put different levels of pride into some hierarchy pride is pride that's it and regardless as if you're proud of your car or if you're proud of your hairstyle or if you're proud of what you wore to church on sabbath any form for me anyway that could be wrong any form of pride is a stumbling block mm. not just for you but for the holy spirit yeah to I come agree. to you what do you think Marius? i think uh, I, I think that, that ross is onto something because when when you when you have pride it doesn't matter what kind of pride it is that by definition pride is you focusing on yourself mm and when you're focusing on yourself you can't be focusing on the holy spirit mm -hmm. and therefore any pride whatever kind of pride that it is prevents you from that direct communication with the holy spirit and in time as we've seen in the life of uh, soul and and others in time that pride becomes all consuming and we end up shutting out the holy spirit mm. it is interesting how often we think like oh, you know i can just use it a little bit we you know give it a tiny little crack to sleep slip in and then boom the floodgates open and you go whoa what happened you know that's how sin sin gets a little bit of a foothold and then next thing you know it's just completely uh overcome everything yeah. and in proverbs 6 verses 10 through something mm. so i haven't got my glasses on um it actually lists things that god hates and the number one is a proud look wow yeah mm -hmm. i was even thinking just then of more obviously equally bad but more subtle types of sin subtle in that we might not recognize them as sin um one of the things i've been noticing and i've been trying to improve myself is that i notice when things start getting busy um with college and assessments and all these things I often, you know, I'm locked in my room and I'm studying all day and I suddenly don't have time for anyone else. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to be able to actively help people in their needs. And 
it's it's not like directly thinking, you know, these people don't deserve my time. The what's going on in my brain is I just need to get this done. But in the same vein, in prioritizing myself over over everyone else, it is a form of pride still. It's still prioritizing my time and getting my things done over helping out other people and sacrificing some of my time. So uh, I challenge our listeners at home as well. There are the obvious, more obvious and blatant uh, types of pride that we can express, but sometimes it can be more subtle in just maybe prioritizing ourselves in ways that we might not consider necessarily to be pride, but is still at its root cause prioritizing ourselves over others, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing all these, these problems that arise from pride. Well, what, what can we do to defend ourselves? Oh, that's great. That's great. Do you do, you do this? Do you run this podcast, Maris? That was such a good segue. My goodness. Um, yeah, what do you think, Ross? I think he's earned his mentors. <laughs> yeah. And be open. And be open to the answer. Mm. That's true, because isn't it interesting how many times we pray and they're like, so that's not really an answer. Yeah. It's not an answer. Yeah. We'll tune it out. It's obviously not the right answer. It's obviously not an answer because that's not the one I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. No pride in that at all, is it? Yeah, yeah. I think another thing that we can do is make sure that we have time with Jesus, make sure that we have mm -hmm. a, a devotional life in a way that's it's kind of like the, the opposite of, of what you were saying before, you know, when we're spending all our time doing our things and the things mm. that are important to us, making sure that we have time every day where we say, okay, this time is not about me. Mm. It's not about anything to do with me. It's about God. And that I think that works as a, as a natural protection yeah. um, against pride. Awesome. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up. I think we've, had a really good discussion really about um, the importance of having the Holy Spirit starting off each day, as you guys said, in prayer and in devotions with God before we start our day so that we are out basically from the get-go. Our focus is on God and then others and then ourselves come after that. So do you have any recommended readings on this topic? Yep. Uh, if people would like to learn more about this topic, I mentioned it already, but I would highly recommend I Used To Be Perfect by George R. Knight. It'll discuss more in depth sin and love, and you'll get to learn uh, a little bit more about uh, this other topics as well uh, throughout it. It's a really short book. I think there's seven chapters. They're really simple and easy to read, so I would highly recommend them. So. If you want them, I've got it on my bookshelf here, so you can have it now if you want, Ross. <laughs> Talking about priorities, perhaps after this Friday. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. All right, well, thank you so much for uh, tuning in and listening with us here. Make sure to uh, like and follow us on our Facebook page, the Arkansas Podcast. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes as well, so make sure to follow us on all those things. That concludes today's podcast. We hope you've been blessed as we've discussed the rise, uh, as we've discussed the tragedy of Saul, the story of us all. Make sure to come back in a fortnight or so for another episode. And with that said, have a good one and good night.